Hello, I'm Sarah Ruffi, and I am the Woman Warrior Lawyer. And today I'm talking to Maddie Brown, who loves to smash the numbers. So Maddie, could you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from and what you do briefly? Well, my name is Maddie Brown, and I am a CPA by trade and a therapist by practice. I've been told that what I do is provide emotional support for the business owner. And my tool that we use is accounting records because I'm a CPA and we talk about accounting and we talk about money and we talk about how to be in business and choices that you're making. And I help people all over the United States make peace with their money and create financial freedom. Wasn't always that way. You can see by the gray hair, I passed the CPA exam in 1981. So I have been involved in small businesses ever since I can remember from the beginning of my career. I've worked with local firms and I've worked for the government. I was going to say part of your career path included those dreaded three letter word or three letters, IRS. Well, technically it was the Iowa Department of Revenue, but okay. most people don't distinguish between state and federal. It's all IRS. And I, the first 12 years that I worked at the Department of Revenue, I was a training and sales promotional kind of person. I've worked with people on how to be in compliance. And then I got transferred because of budget cuts. I got transferred to where I was doing criminal prosecutions, writing up cases for tax fraud and tax evasion. And I hated it. I was so miserable. It was wretched. But I only had 10 more years until I could go on early retirement. And only, only 10 more years. And I said that until I turned 50. And when I turned 50, I went nuts. I went over the edge and I quit my government job against everybody's intentions and ideas. Okay, Maddie. So what was your final straw that I hate my job? I only have 10 more years. What was that final straw that put you over the edge and said, I'm done. I was at a Jack Canfield one day event. And I was there with a friend of mine. We worked together and and we drove to Chicago to go to this event. And I realized that I didn't even want to tell people what I did for a living. When you were introducing yourself, hello. I'm Maddie Brown. I do tax fraud and tax evasion cases. Wouldn't you like to have a nice conversation with me? Yay! Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, the look on the look on their faces when you said that it was like and I realized how desperately unhappy I was. And I knew that I needed to change it because it was not it's not how I believed I should live my life. And I 
I did some coaching programs and I did some interesting things. And by September of 2010, I had purchased a small accounting practice in a town nearby. And it was a 70-year-old woman who was retiring. And I bought her business. And I have been self-employed, gleefully self-employed since 2010. So you've decided, I don't want to go to drudgery work where I count the days until I can retire. Is it fair to say that you pretty much you gleefully go to work, so I'm guessing you get up in the morning and with an entirely different perspective about going to work and your job than when well, you worked for the government. Absolutely. I, I can, when I was in the coaching program in 2009, they had you develop affirmations, okay? And, 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 you, and I'm a firm believer what happened was the affirmation that I created at that point in time was that I love what I do and it makes a difference in people's lives. And in 2009, I was saying that to myself on a regular basis throughout the day and it was not true. It was, I was miserable, I was wretched. And I just every time replaced that thought with I love what I do and it makes a difference in people's work, in people's lives and it wasn't true i didn't believe it and what i did was take the next step that i could see that would change my life and it took a year but i found the practice for sale i negotiated the unlikely scenario that i basically put no money down and didn't have a payment until May 1st, which was ludicrous. Okay. I bought it in October. I was going to say, when did you buy it? So you got I bought, bought it months. in October. So I had all the tax season to save up. I made annual payments and my payments were due May 1st. And I, I did buy the real estate at the same time. And so she took a giant leap of faith. And I took a giant leap of faith, and I have never been happier in my life than I am now. And what does your husband think of you uh, going out on your own? Is he happy you know, that you're happy too? I have been married for 42 years. And he has seen me through, through good and bad. And we are best friends. And I am very blessed to have someone who is so supportive and so encouraging and has, has he doesn't allow me to do things because I don't ask permission, okay? Um, but, but when I say I'm gonna do something, he, he tends to say, okay, Let's see what happens next. <laughs> what was his reaction when you said, honey, I'm leaving the government and I'm buying an accounting practice? Well, he's been listening to me for 30 years saying that I was going to retire when I turned 55 and I was going to start my own accounting practice. So he, 
he'd been hearing that from me for for 30 years. In fact, in 1986, I made kind of a grim attempt at opening my own firm. Now, at that point in time, I was 26 years old, and um, it didn't go well. Let's just say it didn't go well. But I didn't have a starting point, and I didn't have the, I'm going to say maturity. Okay, I, I, I didn't have the life perspective that I have now that I can share with small business owners because I have been there. I have been in credit card debt. I have owed the IRS money. I have been there. I know what it means. I know how it looks. And there is no shame and guilt. It's all about making it right. And I provide a very safe space for business owners to be where they are financially. Do you think those personal experiences help you to be a better and more compassionate advocate for your clients? Yes. Do you share your experiences with your clients? Yes. And I do the same thing. Um, and I, from my perspective, when you open up and you become more vulnerable, your clients feel more confident and comfortable airing their dirty laundry, if you will. People tell me things that they don't tell anybody else on the planet, okay? Because if you think about it, money and sex, religion, politics, all those topics are taboo. You don't really discuss, you don't open up your checkbook and go through piece by piece where you spent the money in the last year with anyone. Most husbands and wives don't even discuss it with any great detail. And I'm guilty of that. My husband doesn't care anything about it. He just wants to know that the debit card works when he takes it out of his billfold. <laughs> this is his primary concern. and, and um, so it is, it is perspective, you know, and you don't get to be 60 years old without living a few lives in the middle. And it, always, it hasn't always been as pretty as I would like it to be, but I'm very blessed now. And, and I, I will say lucky, but I really don't believe in luck. Um, I think I'm right where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I believe in divine intervention and we all um, are here for a reason. So you, you commented that you don't get to be 60 years old without living a few lives in between. And they aren't always great lives because if they were, you wouldn't appreciate where you're at. Absolutely. So can you think of a tragedy or a setback that actually forced you to take a giant leap forward to ultimately get you where you are today? Well, it's interesting because in 1985, I was a CPA 
in a small firm in Oklahoma, and they hired a young man and promoted him to partner. And he had less experience than I did, He, but he liked to play golf with, with Bill. And, and I'm guessing you didn't. I did not. And we came to an agreement about how I was going to leave that firm after I explained to them that that was a discriminatory practice and it wasn't just because he played golf. And I tried to open my own firm and I was very depressed. I was very suicidal. I was a crazy person. And I got introduced to a therapist and her name is Vanaya Wall. And she rocked my world. And I'm assuming in a good way. In a good way. And I that's when I first heard of Jack Canfield. And I realized how much power and creativity I had. And she changed my life. And I would not be here today if it hadn't been for meeting her. And we were just two people in Northwest Oklahoma, okay? I mean, it wasn't anything big and huge and fiery, but it changed how I looked at everything in my life. So you said she introduced you to Jack Canfield. Yes. Was it Jack's teachings that changed your perspective or how was it that you made that shift in perspective to change your life? I would say it was both. It was her. She, she had me realize that I had the choice and I had the power and I had the decision-making ability. And that was reinforced by the tapes that I got of Jack Canfield. And philosophically, she was way out on the fringes of, of woo-woo-ness, okay? And she, she believed and, and did hypnosis work and did past life regressions and you, 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 she, she was out on the fringes in 1986. And um, I experienced things that I would have never experienced anywhere else in the world. And it, it changed forever how I viewed my life. Because I know, I know with un that it's up to me and I'm 100% responsible for what has happened in my life. And that right now has been pretty been damn good, okay? Um, I got my business in 2010. We have tripled the size of the business. I now have six full-time employees. Um, COVID was not unkind to us. We got through it. 
and we work together as a team, and I have a great family that I share my life with that are employees, and um, I, make a, I make a big difference in their lives too. So would it be fair to say that she allowed you to find or claim your own personal power? Yes. And realize that you had that ability and that that skill. And it's so and, empowering, isn't it? Yeah. And 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 she also helped me rent what is the word I'm looking for? She helped me get the perspective that my father was a stupid, stupid man. And he was crazy and he could not have be held accountable for what he did and things he did and how he did them because he was an addict and he was enraged he was mentally unhealthy and he everything that happened in my childhood made me stronger and more resilient and i've i've not had a perfect life but well, I'm in it's a been place perfectly that, Maddie. It's we all perfect. have a perfect life. It's just imperfectly perfect. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's it's what we decide to do with that. You you decided that those situations weren't going to destroy you because you were going to be stronger than them. And look at where you are. I love where I am. There you go. I realized, I, I remember the day, the, the first day that I bought the business, I came in and I sat down at the owner's desk and she, she didn't even pack up her pencils. She just left everything in the drawers. I mean, she did not move out. And I moved into her office and there was her stuff all around and I put my stuff up on the office walls. And I thought, well, this is nice. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it decorated the way that I wanted to decorate it. And then I remember the day that I realized that I got to decide about the artwork in the entire office, not just my 10 square feet, but the whole office was mine to decorate. And, you know, it, it seems silly, but I'm surrounded by artwork and things that inspire me and when i when i find something i have it at the office and it is creating a space that is fabulous to work in so you're designing your space to suit you and to be a reflection of you yes and I, I do the same thing and I've done it by design from the time I didn't buy a practice. I went from the verge of divorce to opening my own from scratch. And over the years, it's changed from having a pack and play in the corner of my office to having teenagers come in and out. But I, I'll never forget the day when a brand new client walked through the front door I had never met him before. He had never been here, didn't know me, hadn't even talked to me on the phone. 
He just talked to my receptionist, walks through the door and says, I feel like I'm walking into a friend's home. Yes. And we get to set the tone of our offices for what our clients are going to encounter by how we design and decorate it. And the fact that you're doing it with intention, I think is so cool. It is so fun. That too. It, it is, it is, it is so fun. Um, I don't know if you can see over, over in this little circle, there's kind of a white dog sitting in a blue stone. Yeah. I was is, wondering what that was. That, that is a, a geode of celestite, which is a very angelic crystal. I had one client come into my office and he walked around and he looked and he says, can I bring my daughter here? She really likes rocks and I think she'd like to see these. <laughs> and so his daughter came for a tour of the rock gallery because there are crystals everywhere. That's awesome. And crystals have a lot of power. I believe so. So did you always want to be an accountant? No. What were you going to be when you were little? Um, well, I grew up on the thoroughbred racetrack. And my father was a jockey. And so I always had horses and I always had dogs and I always had animals. And I, I, I thought for a long time I'd be a vet. And when it came time to go to college, it was clear that vet school was not in the cards. And I got a full ride scholarship to a state, state college. And I decided I would be a Spanish teacher. And I, that went about six months. And then I decided that there wasn't enough money in teaching and that business and accounting would be a better financial decision. And so I got to be an accountant. The sad part is most people get to be accountants because they're shy and introverted and they don't wanna communicate with their clients. They don't wanna communicate with other people. They just wanna crunch numbers. And accounting at its core is communication. It tells a story. It writes a story about you and your choices and what's important to you. Not everyone would buy that, that piece of celestite sitting over there, okay? It tells a story about who you are and how you value things and what's important to you. And that's part of my accounting because that stone is in my accounting, okay? And so, Accountants are creative, so they should be creative, they should be supportive, and they should help you see how to be yourself in your business and be profitable and pay yourself and learn to have the life you want on your terms, both financially, spiritually, and physically. It's very very true. So do you think you're living your purpose? Yes. When did you figure out what your purpose was? Well, I thought for a long time 
that it was to be a CPA and a partner in a CPA firm. And it is evolved. I will say it has evolved over time. There was a period of my life where I, I showed dogs. And I traveled every weekend showing dogs all over the United States. And there was a period of time where my husband and I sailed pretty extensively. And so I've gone through chapters. I would say that I have come to what I think is really my legacy in the last couple of years. And what do you think your legacy is? I want to create a resource for small business owners that helps them master their money and be profitable and pay themselves and manage their debt and be happy people with their finances as a guide, not as a cross to bear. And I have a program that I have developed and if you're interested, you can go to smashingnumbers.com, and it is on smashingnumbers.com. It is a relatively inexpensive program, but I honestly consider it my life's work because everything that I've been through has brought me to creating that program and marketing that program. And the more people that I can get to take the program and use it, then I'm going to have the biggest impact that I can have. So what do you think was a pivotal moment in your life that led you down the path of creating that program? Well, from the time that I bought my own business, I knew that I wanted to help people and I knew that I wanted to help business owners be more profitable. And I did a lot of coaching and a lot of training and a lot of marketing training and a lot of sales training. And all of it builds to a certain level. And you have to have the skill set. I mean, you have to be able to walk before you run. And so it took some time to A, gather the skill set and B, understand what it meant. And I've done this program live one-on-one -on -one with, with lots and lots of people. And I've been doing the program for the entire time that I've been a CPA in reality. And it's just now getting toned down, no, toned down is not the right word. Systemized? I want to say collapsed, and that's not the right word. It, it's all getting concentrated into, you know, short sound bites that anybody can learn from and follow. And so it's being condensed into something that is palatable. Well, or something that they can 
kind of go through on their own rather than having you guide them through it? Would that be a fair yes. assessment? Yeah, there's there's 12 million women-owned businesses in, in, in the United States. Of that 12 million businesses, 88% of them earn less than $100,000 a year. And of that 88%, 50% of them make less than 50,000. So out of those 12 million women-owned businesses, do they include like the, the stay-at-home moms who decide to have pampered chef or whatever? Right. That, okay. Um, and my, my heartfelt desire is to bring an understanding of money to all of those business owners so that they can make conscious decisions about where they want to go with their life and what their life needs to look like. Okay. I think that's awesome. Um, you had mentioned Jack Canfield earlier and I met you through Jack Canfield. Yes. So what made you to decide to become certified to teach the success principles? Um, in 1985, I've, I discovered him. I learned from him on his cassette tapes. And then in 2009, we went to the one day event and I read his book, The Success Principles. And it encapsulated everything that I believed. And it was like, this is what I believe. This is the story of what I think makes the world go round. And I am a rabid fan of Jack Canfield. And I knew that I wanted to do his train the trainer program in 2009 when he was just starting it. And over the course of the last 10 years, I, I, I did get certification in 2018. And I want to be supportive of his expansion of the coaches and the teachers that he has trained and developed so that they can have the impact that they need to have in the world. And so I want to be as big a supporter of his work and his goals that I can be. Do you find yourself, I know you had mentioned earlier when we were talking about taking 100% responsibility for your life. And of course, that's principle number one. And that is the groundwork. That is yeah. ground zero that everything else builds from. You take 100% responsibility for everything that happens in your life because we have the ability to decide how we're going to respond to that event. Exactly. Do you find yourself using principles the, the success principles when you're working with your clients and helping them incorporate them into their businesses, whether they know that they're 
success principles or not? Yes. And which it, ones? It, sorry. It, 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 it is who I am. And so when, when we sign on a new client, I typically mail them a copy of the book, The Success Principles. Oh, okay. And a lot of the program that I talked about can be directly correlated to success principles in formulation. And that aspect of the program is in integral to why it works the way it works. Okay. So it's if like I had taking to... the success principles and making them into accounting principles. So if I were to venture a guess, the first thing you talk about is taking 100% responsibility for their business and everything that happens in it. Yes. Probably setting goals and yes. a vision of what you want it to look like. Yes. Cleaning up your messes and incompletes. Yes. And coming up with some power statements and visualization and affirmations to go along with them. Yes. How many did I miss? Um, I, you, the, the, the other one that comes up that I have to work with people sometimes is on blaming and complaining. There, but that goes along with 100% responsibility. Yeah, there, there tends to be a lot. And I think the most, uh, would, you know, they're all important. But if you have a vision for where you're going and you're clear on what the outcome looks like, your results exponentially become more, more livable and more practical and more realistic. And so that vision of what you want in your life and you want in your business, and I don't believe you can separate the two. I, I don't, I don't believe that. I, I, it, you know, it, and I agree with you. And it's compartmentalization doesn't serve you in general. So the other thing that I think is really important is having mentors and coaches and people that you work with because you don't do anything alone in this world and you're an attorney you're a great attorney i wouldn't expect you to be great at quickbooks yeah i'm not <laughs> i won't even so, claim to be so i wouldn't i wouldn't advise you that it's a good use of your time to spend two or three hours a month doing quickbooks Okay, yet that is something that you need support team and every business needs a support team. Every business. I agree. And one of those support people needs to be in the financial arena. I talk about every business needing their ABCs or their three-legged bar stool. Being from Wisconsin, three-legged bar stool means a whole lot more than maybe other parts of the country. Anyway, you need a good accountant, a good banker, and a good counselor, which is another word for an attorney or lawyer. Because once you have those three on your team, they can cover all of your blind spots and help you get to where you wanna go. And it always works better when those three know, like, 
and respect each other and can work together because then you truly have a cohesive, strong team in your corner to help you along. I agree. <laughs> so earlier you had mentioned the, the pandemic and that it, I think your word was, it wasn't unkind to you. What's one thing that you learned during the lockdowns that took place last year? Oh, there's Actually, so many, I should say, did you get locked down? I know we were locked down. There, there are so many things. We went in a week to working virtually from home. And it was much easier than most CPA firms because most of our clients are virtual. Most of our clients are people that we meet with like you and I are meeting with now. And so it wasn't a big stretch to get everybody at home because they're used to using a virtual server. They're used to using, but it's still surprising that it went as well as it did. You know? You're fortunate. And I know a lot of CPA firms that really struggled um, because they couldn't meet with their clients. They couldn't deliver tax returns. They, it, it, was, it was not pretty for a lot of people. And I think that the pandemic literally accelerated time because Jack Canfield would have never gone to a virtual platform and David Nagel wouldn't have gone to a virtual platform if the pandemic hadn't hit. And they switched up and pivoted and changed their businesses to work on Zoom and work virtually. And it literally collapsed time because it would have happened eventually, but it, it, it wasn't gonna happen in a week. And basically it happened in a week. That's true. And so the, the you know, telemedicine, doctors on demand, all of that, all of that has come into being that was forced by the pandemic. That is very true. So, you know, it's one of those where it was an event and it can build you up or you can allow it to destroy you. It's however resilient you want to be and creative. Yes. So I just got a couple more fun ones. How do you define success, Maddie? I love what I do, and it makes a difference in people's lives. Oh, wait. That sounds vaguely like your affirmation that you used to say. I think that's just awesome. And so now loving what you do, what is 
And it sounds like you, you and your husband have done a wide variety of things and traveling and experiences. What's the best vacation you've ever taken so far? The best vacation I've ever taken. We had a chapter of our lives where we had Tennessee walking horses. And we trail rode those, those horses all over the country. And we went to the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming in our trailer with our horses. And we rode with a single guide in the Bighorn Mountains of Wyoming. And it, it was beyond spectacular. It, it was so cool. And it wasn't a, a trail ride where we were nose to tail on two deadbeat little horses. They were our horses. It was a single, the, the owner of the campground that we were staying took us out every morning at seven o'clock and we rode for four or five hours in places that he knew that other people had never been. So pretty much off the beaten path. Oh, yes. That is super cool. It was. And now, what would your dream vacation be if you could top that trip? I want to go to Alaska for a month. When are you going to make that happen? Right now, it's on the calendar for 2022. <laughs> and what are you going to do in Alaska for that month, Maddie? Well, I want to rent an RV and I want to do some time on a boat and I want to go to Denali and I want to spend the time with my husband. That is super cool. So I certainly appreciate your time today, Maddie. And this, I remember when we were at Train the Trainer and you were up on stage doing your presentation and the smoke alarm went off or the fire alarm went off and we had to leave. And we had to come back in and you picked up where, where you left off literally without skipping a beat. And you had all of us in stitches because your stories, I don't, I don't even remember which principle you were teaching. But your R equals L. It was, wasn't it? And your stories were just so so every day. But just like any good comedian, every day can be a hoot. Yes. And I love the fact that I got to learn a lot more about you today than I, I did during the two weeks that we were at Train the Trainer. So thank you for, for taking the time. And I think the experiences that you've shared really shows that 
when you were sharing those stories that were work related, that's how you live your life. And you truly are an inspiration that your clients are very fortunate to have an accountant who has more than the approach of just give me your stuff and don't look at me, don't talk to me, just let me do your books. To have someone who truly cares about them and about their relationship with their business, with their finances, and with their life in general. So thank you for, for sharing some of that with us and for smashing the numbers for your clients all well, over. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I never know what's going to come up in these interviews, so it's always interesting. Well, thank you for playing with me and being open to the experience because I have never been accused of being a traditional lawyer. And I am bound and determined that this podcast isn't going to be traditional either. Good for you. It's all about helping people share, share their stories and their experiences because life, life is life. And when I said that your, your childhood, even though it was difficult, it was perfect for you because it led to who you are. So all of our lives are imperfectly perfect for us because they give us the tools and the strength that we need to decide what we want to do and take us where we want to go. So thank, thank you, Sarah. Much.